my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the way the world changes as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And of course, it's always technology that changes the world and you know that technology is Bitcoin that's changing the world as we know it. You know, I like to bring to you some education, some breaking news, but also some interesting guests. So you don't have to listen to me all the time. And that's what I have today. I am sitting down with Nico. He's the host of Simply Bitcoin. Um, he thinks I'm a good content creator. I love his content. Super creative, super insightful. And, uh, you know, it's just different. And so anyway, Nico, thanks for joining me and coming back to the channel again. Thanks for the invite, Mark. Always an honor. I, uh, you know, I love talking to different people. I love different insights. You know, it's crazy. So many people suffer from like a confirmation bias where they just want to hear what they think, but I, I like different perspectives and you're younger and you know, you, you came from, uh, Argentina. Was it Argentina? My right? parents are originally from Venezuela, or Venezuela, Venezuela. Sorry. Yeah. And, but I mean, it just gives you ha having parents like that. It gives you a, a different upbringing and a different viewpoint. Uh, so I love it. And, and I love what you're doing. Um, I want to just jump right into it. You know, I saw you posting on Twitter today 
about the EU central bank <laughs> and uh, what they have to say about Bitcoin, which is pretty interesting. Um, they said it's it's a failure. They said Bitcoin's a failure. Did you see that? I, what, what, what's your take I on did, that? I did. I did. You know, I, I I coined this term a couple months ago. I started seeing a pattern, and essentially, it's the iron law of central banker politician projection. They project onto us what it is they are guilty of themselves. If you take a look at the report, you know they they uh, they said that the you know the emperor is losing. You know the emperor has no clothes. They said you know they use the word evil even. Uh, and then if you take a look at the references that they used, uh, they used a ten-year-old paper as one of the references, right? So what that tells me is that they're desperate. They don't know what to do, and. They're used to operating in an environment. We just recently had this conversation, Mark, where they had a total monopoly on the information flows. And now on Twitter, anybody can just reply to them, right? It, you know, it's you're on equal footing and they got com they yeah. got community noted and the community note was brutal. They got ratioed. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but that tells me we're winning. That tells me we're over the target and that tells me they're scared. Mm. That that's uh, a little bit of a sidetrack note, but it's so important. Um, back to yeah, we did have this conversation yesterday with, with on your show, um, and sort of how technology's gotten ahead of the government. But um, really, I noticed it. You know, we're both on YouTube. I noticed it um, at the last presidential election. They took away the down the down thumb off of YouTube, and that was because Biden's videos were getting so many down like like one like and a million downs or something crazy like that. Right? And they, they literally took it off. And so to the point that you just made, like for the, the ability for now the public to weigh in on these things, I mean, it's, it's pretty insane. And I think it's pretty apparent back to follow up on our conversation yesterday. Like they, they can't have this. Like they, they, they can't allow that. No, they, they can't. And just to go back to, you know, the point that you made about Biden in the last election, you know, supposedly this was the most popular elected, you know, person that was ever elected. And how could it be yeah. that, you know, his like dislike ratio was the way it was, right? That it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't quite fit what it is that they're trying to tell us. And a couple of years ago, maybe it was like a, about a year ago or so, they tried to release the quote unquote ministry of truth here in the U.S. out of all places, completely right. against the First Amendment. So it kind of goes into you know, what we were talking about yesterday, the theory of the sovereign individual about how information technologies was going to disintermediate information, democratize content creation. And, uh, you know, it's creating this absolute nightmare for governments. They, they just don't know what to do. And not only the cognitive dissidents, but also like this short circuit, because you see their totalitarian impulses trying to get in there and say, you know, we got to we got to get this taken down. I mean, look at the election. They, they, they got a president taken off of Twitter. Right. So you're seeing the old system clash with the new system. Yeah. But I think once we get over this hill, I am extremely optimistic about the future. It is it is going to be a little bit bumpy for sure in the next five, 10 years. But uh, after we get over that hill, I'm, I'm very optimistic. In this, um, they said that uh, Bit I didn't read the report. I haven't had time to. Uh, maybe you have. But it says on their tweet that Bitcoin has failed to become a global decentralized digital currency, instead falling victim to fraud and manipulation. So that's what they put in their um, in their tweet. Um, so if we break that down, and maybe they gave more context inside, but has failed. Okay, failed what? To become a global decentralized digital currency. So... One, uh, money 
is an evolutionary process. So it takes time. <laughs> so we have a brand new, as I tweeted out, a new revolutionary technological invention and it's failed. Like what, what definition is that? Um, so has it failed? I mean, it is being used. Is it a decentralized digital currency? It is. Is there like a certain level? Like, did they give any sort of uh, reference to how has it failed? No, they just make a claim. And that's the beauty of of the community note. Uh, the, the community note literally went line by line with all their different claims. It went, uh, number one, Bitcoin is not preferable for criminals. Number two, Bitcoin is an open monetary protocol in the decentralized store of value. Number three, which answers your question, the euro is losing its purchasing power against Bitcoin constantly. And if you actually take a look at the data, if you take a look at, um, if you take a look at percentage terms, the euro has lost 92.74% of its value against Bitcoin for the last five years. And it goes back to my original point of the iron law of central banker and politician projection. They project onto Bitcoin what it is they are guilty of themselves. The euro is failing to Bitcoin in real time. Now, you'd have to ask yourself, it is kind of a coincidence that they came out with this uh, with this report because today the ECB reported record losses for 2023. Um, so it's yeah, kind of a coincidence that. that, you know, that tweet comes out about Bitcoin and then this news comes out on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and when you say it's failed, the, the euro failing to the um, Bitcoin, you're saying the the purchasing power of the currency has failed. And, and, and so at least we have some sort of like a parameter to what like failed means. I don't know what metric they're talking about. Like, has it failed to be more widely used than the euro? Uh, but of course, like regulations prevent that. But I want to lead us into a conversation and we'll see how I think you're going to be comfortable with. Um, Michael Saylor would not be comfortable with this conversation. Um, I tweeted it out yesterday. I put a video a clip of uh, Andrew Sorkin um, talking about uh, to uh, Fundstrat saying that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is only being used for illicit purposes. And he said, well, uh, pirates use gold first and then, um, you know, whatever. And, and I posted this. So I want to talk about that. So you said that uh, they're saying they're throwing shade FUD that Bitcoin is only used for um, illicit purposes, illegal purposes. And you said it's not. And, and the fact checking is that most of that's happening in dollars. Uh, the amount of illicit transaction happening in Bitcoin is like not even like a drop in the bucket compared to what's being done in dollars. So we have that, right? But let's, let's dive down into this conversation a little bit, right? So um, you put on Twitter that anyone can create a Bitcoin wallet. Not everyone can open a bank account. Yes. What what does that so, mean? So I mean, like the and there, there's another there's another tweet that I came out with not too long not too long ago, and it's kind of very similar, right? Which is this idea that um, this idea that that uh, Bitcoin doesn't judge based on where you happen to be born in, right? And their system does, right? And the, another tweet that I came out with, which was I sent a wire. Um, it's obvious that Bitcoin wins. And one of the attacking vehicles that uh, anti-Bitcoin politicians uh, like Elizabeth Warren are using to attack something like Bitcoin is this idea that Bitcoin... Wait, uh, wait, wait. I'm going to stop you there. 
because I need a cliffhanger. Because you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin, and we got to take a very quick break. But if you want to find out what this attack vector is that Elizabeth Warren is coming back with, make sure you stick around. We're going to take a super quick break. Um, you don't want to miss this rest of this conversation. We're going to lead Nico down into a path you don't hear about, talked about in Bitcoin. We're going to talk about it here in a second. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin. Um, Nico, before the break, you were going to say, uh, what is Elizabeth Warren using as her tool? Yeah, so uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, she used a Wall Street Journal article that took advantage of the tragedy happening in Palestine and Israel. And it made the claim that uh, that Bitcoin was being used for uh, illicit finance. It was being used for uh, terrorist financing. It came out after the fact, about a week or two later, that that article completely misrepresented the data. But that didn't stop the FinCEN to introduce a very, very hostile type of regulation that would essentially make it so that any type of Lightning Network transaction, any type of, of address reused would have to be 
uh, would have to be uh, surveilled. It would have to be reported to the U.S. government, not to mention she got four additional senators that signed up to uh, a bill that would essentially, not my words, this is Pierre Richard's words, that would essentially kill Bitcoin mining in the United States. And now we have 20% of the U.S. Senate, Republicans and Democrats, she's gotten two, Dem two Republicans to sign up for this bill that would essentially kill Bitcoin mining in the U.S. It would kill Bitcoin self-custody in the U.S. So the point that I'm trying to make is that they're taking advantage of tragedies. They're misrepresenting the data in order, in order to achieve a certain political goal in the United States, which is to outlaw self-custody altogether and also go after Bitcoin miners, right? They, they've been solely focused on doing that the last six months. I've been covering it almost every other day. And, uh, you know, it blows my mind to what length these people will go to in order to stop you from using a money that doesn't steal from you, which is absolutely absurd. But at the same time, it's exposing them for who they are. Like, how does it hurt anybody for me as an American citizen, as a first generation American to hold, to memorize 12 words, write down 12 words, to use a money that is outside the grasp of the hands of government? How does that hurt anybody? Right. So I think they're desperate. I think they're scared. I think they see the writing on the wall that Bitcoin well, is Nico, how it help, how it how it hurts people, how it hurts people is that, I mean, you could give money to a terrorist. I mean, you could be funding terrorism, Nico. But that's what they say. But if you actually took it, if you actually <laughs> took a uh, took, take a look at the data and uh, what that was posted by Senator Cynthia Lummis, the Bitcoin senator coming out of Wyoming, ninety nine point three percent of illicit finance is actually done using the traditional financial system. And Representative Tom Emmer actually interviewed or had the uh, head of FinCEN testify in congressional testimony that actually terrorists prefer using the traditional financial system versus Bitcoin. But that didn't stop Elizabeth Warren to try to use her media allies in order to achieve a certain political end goal, which again, just like the central bank, just like the European Central Bank tweet, it tells me that we're over the target and that we're winning. Yeah, there was a report that came out, uh, I don't know, two years ago called the FinCEN Files. And it basically exposed all this, uh, I think, $2 trillion U.S. dollars uh, that were used for illicit um, transactions knowingly, knowingly. So um, in these FinCEN files, it, it exposed all these banks, HSBC, like international banks, big banks, J.P. Morgan, and showed how they were literally um, like laundering money for drug cartels. And like they did all this and then they pay small fines that are small percentages of the total amount of money that they made. So it's like a slap on the wrist. And and these globally regulated licensed facilities from the Federal Reserve or the central banks were knowingly allowing this to happen. Um, so it's like with Bitcoin, at least there's like, hey, it's anonymous. And if people use it, they use it. I can't control what they use it for. Whereas here, these banks were actively facilitating it, which is a big difference. And so when you think about that in those terms, Nico, like um, you talk about uh, per Tom Emmer saying whatever it was, 98% are being used dollars in a controlled and permission system. Right. I mean, so it's like it's like magnitude of orders even worse, in my opinion. But the point that I want to get to that I want to I want to talk about for a minute is Bitcoin really for criminals? And that's why I said this is not a conversation you're here talked about. And I know Michael Seder would never want to talk about it. But like, is it money for criminals? But like, what is a criminal? It, it, that's the key piece. What what is a criminal? Bitcoin is the money of enemies. 
right? Bitcoin is money of enemies. We have to be okay with anybody using it. Um, I find it very difficult to be lectured by government bureaucrats that are sending billions of dollars to fund a foreign war of which that money is not accounted for. Uh, there was a report that came out of the Pentagon that they had a, it was like a, it was like a, a $500 billion accounting error. Um, and then at the same time, you know, they're expecting us to report any transaction over $600, right? So it's rules for thee, but the Pentagon lost the Pentagon lost the, the day before nine 11, the day before Donald Rumsfeld, who ran the Pentagon at the time, went on national TV and said they lost two trillion. There we go. That, that's what I'm trying to tell the you. The day before the towers got hit. And then, uh, like a year ago, they, they, they reported they lost another two trillion. So yeah, it, it, and, it, yeah, it's, we it's, sent a, we sent a hundred billion to Ukraine with no accounting, which we not we do know that a lot of those weapons have ended up in Mexican cartels and things like that. But yet, yeah, to your point, they want to audit our six hundred dollars. It's rules for thee and not for me. Like it's as simple as that. Um, and I, I think that you know something something like Bitcoin comes along, and it's a clear and present danger for them, uh, for the racket that has been happening. Um, and I think that they're going to try to use everything and anything uh, to try to stop this thing, try to stop the adoption of Bitcoin. I don't think they're going to be successful. I think the incentives are too great and uh, it's going to be a very, very uphill battle, especially as more time goes by and more and more people adopt this technology with the BlackRock ETF being rolled out. I mean, I saw it the other day. You had uh, the anchor of Squawk Box, uh, Joe, I, I can't, I, I forget his last name, uh, Joe Scarborough, I think that's his name. But essentially he was killing Gary Gensler on air. Like Gary Gensler yeah. was trying to tell him like, you know, this Bitcoin thing, it's not the real deal. You know, you got to be careful. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, like people are adopting this because people don't believe in the central bank. And Gary Gensler had no response to him. And you know how I know he could be potentially compromised because this is someone who taught classes at Harvard yeah. or Stanford. I forget what the institution was, MIT, MIT about Bitcoin. So I know yeah. he knows, but obviously he's trying to protect his job, you know? So yeah. anyways, all this stuff going on. Yeah. We're, I went, I went back and I went back and watched They're They're on YouTube. You can watch, just search Gary Gensler, MIT on YouTube. You can watch his presentations and he breaks it all down. Bitcoin specific perfectly. Like, I mean, he's a Bitcoiner, right? Like he, he breaks down the distributed ledger. He breaks down the, 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 you know, the way Satoshi solved the problem. He talks about the, the, the need because of what central bankers are doing. I mean, he, he breaks the whole thing down. So like, it's a, it's a blatant lie. I was going to try to grab the video and edit it up and post it, but I didn't get around to it. But um, I mean, it's a blatant lie because to your point, he knows better. And to your point, uh, yeah, Joe on Squawk Box, he is, he's been nailing it. And so sort of back to this uh, criminal element, um, he says, but look, you can't blame the tool, right? So like bad guys, whatever you want to call them, terrorists, they drive cars, <laughs> They go on social media, they eat food, they drink water. Like we can't just ban everything that they do, right? Like, well, if we, if we ban water, they, they'll die because they can't drink water, right? It's like, um, it's, a, it's a little bit broad, but I wanna come back and dig into this a little bit more, but I gotta take a very quick break. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin, running through uh, what is going on in the Bitcoin world. We'll be back with more in a minute, don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin. And Nico, I want to get back to the question, though. So the question I asked in light of this Elizabeth Warren and all this information is, what is even a criminal? And so I'm going to lay this out a little bit, right? So you mentioned earlier, we started with one of your tweets that... Um, that uh, anyone can create a Bitcoin wallet, not everyone can open a bank account. So let's just start with that. So we know there's approximately a billion and a half or so adults in the world that can't open a bank account because they don't have permission. So if they did, that would be illegal. They would be a criminal. Yeah. Right? So what's so, a criminal? I mean, um, if we keep going in no, this, it, I, I want to I pull it, this. There's this quote I want to pull out. And it's... Um, under communist Russia, under the sort of uh, in the in the 40s and 50s, sort of at the height of the gulag and all of that, under the height of the Stalin era, we'll call it that, uh, Berea, which was one of Stalin's like main lieutenants, he, ha he, he, he had a quote that's been used a lot. And it said, Berea targeted the man first, then proceeded to find or fabricate a crime. Berea's modus operandi was to presume, presume the man guilty and fill in the blanks later. So you probably heard that. Show me the man. I'll show you the crime. Right. And so when you think about this, show me the man. I'll show you the crime. Sort of like what's happened to Donald Trump. Um, 
you know, if they were just, hey, he did this thing and no one's above the law, let's prosecute it for him. But when you're getting prosecuted on from 50 different directions, I mean, it's like pretty obvious at this point. But let's just talk about this for a second. And actually, I love uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, F.A. Hayek. Um, he, he wrote uh, The Road to Serfdom, which everyone should read if you haven't read it. And I believe it's chapter six. He talks about the law and the law should be written down. Concrete. And it should be simple enough that everyone can understand it. And it should be fixed so that I can plan my life based on those set of rules. And you could plan your life. Sort of like if we play basketball, the the rules of basketball are fixed, but I'm going to approach the game different than LeBron James would, right? Um, and so the law should be like that. But let us let me, let me break this down. So um, I have seen reports in the past, and it shows like the amount of laws that have grown over over time. And so I went to go to try to find this information for this show and uh, you can't find it. It's so bad. So I saw um, there's been 30,000 statutes. So in, in law, we have laws, we have regulations, we have rules, we have statutes, ordinances. All of these are basically laws, 30,000 statutes. Um, and so no matter what, you're breaking the law, whether you know it. And, and uh, I asked ChatGPT, how many laws, statutes and regulations are in the United States today? ChatGPT said that to quantify that is impossible. It said there's different levels of government, laws, statute, regulations. They're federal, they're state, they're local governments. Each state has its own body of laws. Municipalities within those states have additional ordinances and regulations. It said there's continuous changes. It said the dynamic nature of laws uh, means that the total number can fluctuate daily. It said that uh, federal agencies issue thousands of regulations based on statutory authority. And I kept digging, I kept digging, I kept digging and said, well, you should ask something more specific. So I asked more specific and it's literally impossible for it to even tell me that. And I found this in 1980. In 1980, the Department of Justice, 1982, the Justice Department tried to determine the total number, number of criminal laws in a project that lasted two years. Two years they tried to figure this out and they couldn't figure it out. That was in 1980. It was scattered among 50 titles, 23,000 pages, just, just federal law. So anyway, what's a criminal? We're all criminal. Like, so Bitcoin's for criminals. And even if you're not a criminal today, you're probably going to be a criminal tomorrow. Yeah. And, and, and look, and, and I love that explanation and, and just kind of going through it, especially the uh, Baria and stuff. And, you know, I think he was, uh, he was assassinated uh, in, in the coup. Um, and yeah, I mean, was executed better said but you know it it, it kind of goes back to i i don't have i mean i do have an issue with it the problem is that they're not following their own rules and their own laws that they expect everyone else to follow right if if you're gonna lecture me and i never forget this i was hosting the i think it was hosting a twitter spaces at the time covering the doj press conference uh, for Binance. And I was, my jaw dropped during the press conference because they had all the heavy hitters. They had Janet Yellen, they had uh, Merrick Garland. Um, and they mentioned the word terrorism 20 times during that press conference about Binance. And I get what Binance did and, you know, the security stuff. And I get it. You can make an argument that that wasn't kosher. I understand. But why did they mention the word terrorism 20 times? Well, it was because 
You know, right. they're trying to pass a, a narrative. But here's the thing. They're trying to send another additional $60 billion to Ukraine. You you can you can be very confident yeah. that a percentage of that is being laundered. So who are you to lecture me about what money laundering is? Who are you to lecture me about what terrorism is while you are literally funding a war overseas? The U.S. government has been funding a war overseas for the last, you know, what, four decades continuously? So I, 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 yeah. I, I don't. I don't, I've, I've gotten to this point where I'm like, listen, I just, I don't, if you lived up to your own laws, maybe I believe you. And I'll, and I'll drop this last nugget. There was a U.S. Senator, I believe his, his name is Senator Mendez. And he was accusing Naim Bukele of corruption. He said Naim Bukele's right. corruption uh, is corrupt. He opened, uh, you know, a Senate or a representative investigation into the guy. And it was discovered two to three months later that they found literal gold bars in this guy's trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Boris Johnson, apparently Tucker Carlson was trying to get an interview with Boris Johnson. And one of his staffers, Boris Johnson, says, like, yeah, I'll do the interview if you pay me a million dollars worth of dollars, gold bars, or Bitcoin. This is the same Boris right. Johnson that was the prime minister of the UK that's been hostile towards Bitcoin. So it goes back to pay attention to what they do, not what they say. And also, it's clearly a rule. It Clearly, there's rules for them and there's rules for the rest of us. Right. And yeah. it's, you know, it's 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 BS. So, yeah, I agree with your original statement. There's yeah. so many laws. Everyone's a criminal. But the people that are supposed to, that are in charge of enforcing these laws aren't even in, aren't following the laws themselves. And they're expecting the rest yeah. of us who are supposedly the people in charge because it's our government to follow those laws. The problem that I put in this tweet when I kind of threw this out there again, this is an uncomfortable thing for people in the Bitcoin community, but it's like. Yeah, it is money for criminals. And unfortunately, uh, when uh, Bitcoin's outlawed, only outlaws will have Bitcoin kind of a thing. But um, specifically, I, was, I, I related it back to the problem with laws. I mean, look, there's certainly things that we can all agree are heinous and shouldn't be allowed. Uh, but this goes back to sort of like making the law pretty simple and laid out so we can all understand it. But the problem is is who interprets the law. So for example, back to like uh, now all of a sudden across the world, we have all these like hate speech laws coming out. Canada's put in force. Ireland's gotten pretty strict with them, right? But who's to say what's hateful? Like who's to, who, who's to say what hateful is, right? So the right to free speech means, look, I'm, I have the freedom to say what I want. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. But when you say you, you can go now in Ireland, right? You can go to jail for hate speech, but what is hate and what, 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 what hate speech is defined as today will change over time. That's the, that's the problem. And I think about this is who controls the ledger. Okay. Right. So we talk about Bitcoin, who controls the money ledger, but we have to trust whoever's controlling the ledger. But we now we have to trust who's controlling who's we have to trust who's determining what is hate speech and what's not. We have to turn. We have to trust the person who says what is illegal and what's not. And so it continues to force us in these things. And so just back to like a freedom of speech absolutist, like I may hate what you have to say, but I'll defend your right to say it. I may hate what you do, but I'm not going to take away your right to use money. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin. We're talking about 
Bitcoin being money for enemies. And if there's uh, some validity to that, we'll be back with more in a minute. Got to take a very quick break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin. Um, so Nico, I kind of threw that out at the last minute, sort of uh, who controls the ledger, meaning not just the ledger of money, but the ledger of what's hate speeches or the lever of uh, all those. Uh, what's, your, what's your response yeah, to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point because they're one in the same, right? It, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto fully understood and the founding fathers of the U.S. understood this as well, right? Which is Satoshi knew that if anyone could control the ledger, uh, they're going to they're be completely biased on what is an appropriate transaction and what is not an appropriate transaction. Um, and the founding fathers knew this, and, and it's literally enshrined in the First Amendment of the co- Constitution. Congress should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. They fundamentally knew that if there was a human being that was determining what is hate speech and what is not hate speech, that's the same as government determining 
what speech is allowed and what speech is not allowed. It's not a perfect solution, but they came to this. They came to the realization is let's let the free market of ideas determine what is a good idea and what is not a good idea. I think that if you, uh, I think that if you're trying to shut down someone's speech, I think you already lost in the discussion with them. You don't have any more arguments. So therefore the next best thing for you to do is just to, to completely, you know, uh, take away their ability to say anything yeah, to if you. If you can't win in the if you can't win in the open market, then you have to Correct. censor. Correct. So, but this is what's so beautiful about Bitcoin. This is so what's the, so beautiful about freedom tools like Noster is that it's eventually going to be a forcing function on governments because if they're if they can't stop you from using Bitcoin, if they can't stop you from communicating freely, I really do believe in the, in the theory from the sovereign individual that over time, because of those things, it will make politics irrelevant. If they, if, if they can't make this thing go away, then central bank money is going to have to compete with Bitcoin. And we all know who's going to yeah. win. The, the approved narrative is going to have to compete with the free narrative. Right. That's based on truth. We all know who's going to win that in the free market of ideas. So, yeah, I mean, they, they but that's not going to stop them from trying. We were talking about it yesterday, Mark, and it was a great conversation. We were talking about the separation of church and state and how the uh, printing press basically fundamentally changed everything. I think we're at this crossroads in human history the rise of information technologies, the disintermediation of money and information. It's kind of crossover. Information started first, money followed. Uh, but I think it's its really kind of shifting how humans organize each other. And more importantly, it's calling into question what the relationship between the individual and the state is. What about, you know, I also think about like, we have laws in place against killing people, blowing people up, stealing things. Like we have laws in place for that. But when they start trying to control your flow of money, that's like a pre-crime. Well, you can't have freedom of your money because if you do, you might do something that's already illegal. <laughs> but we already have laws against that illegal thing. Of course. Right. And so it sort of goes back into sort of back to this statement. If we go all the way back to the Stalin statement, right, where only in the United States are we innocent until proven guilty. Whereas back in the Stalin era, everybody was guilty. Right. We had to find the find the crime for them. And so it's like it, it really is changing the entire system to where it's like this pre-crime era where it's like, hey, we, we have to stop you from doing anything that could even potentially ever maybe one day ever could lead you into do something illegal. And it's just like, uh, man, the, the craziness of that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I think uh, at some point, I mean, uh, as we talked about yesterday on your show, um, all this technology, I, I believe, shows that the state is no longer relevant or competent. And so when they say to you the point you made earlier, Elizabeth Warren says you can't custody your Bitcoin and you're like, I, I can't know 12 words in my head. Like, how does that even make sense? Like, that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, that's. Like, no, like that doesn't work. Right. And, and I think it, it, it's only just making them look more irrelevant. And, um, yeah, I think they're trying to fight against the tide that probably will eventually, it's like, uh, what is that saying? Uh, a standing army is no match for a good idea whose time has come exactly, or something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, 
I, I, I tweeted that I tweeted this out. I think it was a couple months ago. But the nation state is dead. Everyone's still just playing pretend. And I, 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 I fundamentally believe that. And the faster that you realize or the audience who's realizing or the, who's listening, the faster you realize that, you know, you have autonomy, you have freedom tools, the likes of which has never been seen before in human history to enable or to take back your individual sovereignty from an information standpoint and from a monetary standpoint, but it's up to you to take agency, to take action in order to enable that sovereignty, in order to achieve that sovereignty, in order to take back that sovereignty. So the question is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take a bit of personal responsibility, learn how to take Bitcoin into self-custody, learn how to do your own research, learn how to not trust on a single source, uh, learn to question things, uh, even if it comes from a quote unquote, very approved source uh, that I think over the last five years it has shown that, you know, the so-called approved sources uh, aren't, uh, you know, 100 percent accurate, uh, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So, yeah, uh, but it's it's very exciting times to be a human. It's very exciting times to be a Bitcoiner. And, you know, I'm about to be a father and I am going to do whatever it takes in order for my uh, my my future daughter to live a life of freedom and not a life of slavery, because I think the life that central bankers and politicians have envisioned for us is a life of slavery with these central bank digital currencies and not to mention all the other crazy yeah. stuff that's coming out of the World Economic Forum. They're, they're telling us exactly the life that they have envisioned for us. And, you know, to, to use one of their own propaganda pieces, right? They say, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, I refuse that. I'll own Bitcoin and be happy. And you could take that where the, sh where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> I love it. You know, and, and uh, you, know, you asked me yesterday sort of like that encouragement. And I think that's a big piece of it. And so it's like, well, if they want, uh, if they want that for us, we want the opposite. So we want to encourage people to be owners, like, let's stand up. Let's be owners. Let's like reclaim what is ours. And so like, unfortunately, you know, that we have these cliches. I was listening to, um, Jordan Peterson was on Tom by Lou's impact theory just a couple days ago or whatever. I was listening to part of it, man, Tom by Lou has gotten so smart. Shout out to him. The, the ability for him to go deep with Jordan Peterson, but they were talking about, um, they, they, they were kind of going deep into this and, and, uh, he was saying how cliches are dead. Like, you say things that you, you repeat things, but you haven't thought through them. So it's not a living thought that's malleable. You just say these dead things, but here we'll, I'll say it, a cliche, which is uh, all it takes for evil to prosper is good men to do nothing. And so what happens is as we've abdicated our personal responsibility and our own desires and goals and dreams for the future of the world, then evil steps in to fill that void in that vacuum. Right. America was great because we led we led the world through excellence, not by beating people over the head with sanctions, but by building the world through excellence. Men built industry. Right. And so what happens is as we've pulled back, then evil will step in and fill that role. 
any, you know, every day of the week. And so in order to reverse that tide, we have to go back to becoming the builders. We have to envision the world that we dream of, and then we have to actively engage in building that. And we have to be owners. And to your point, unfortunately, when you've been a slave for multiple generations, it's really hard to think of being a free man again. You know, we've seen this time and time again in the in the Bible when Moses led everybody out of Egypt in Exodus in the Exodus story. They said, "Oh, it's too hard out here. Let us just go back to be slaves." That's what they said. Um, but it's time to stand up and reclaim that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. I've been sitting down with Nico from Simply Bitcoin talking about Bitcoin. Uh, we'll link to uh, Nico's stuff in the show notes down below. We're running out of time, so I got to shut this down. But that's what we got. Thanks so much for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.